in the 38 years since the United States has won four World Cup titles and four Olympic gold medals, making it one of the most successful national teams for the Americans. Those premier teams get a lot of love, but the 85ers, as they're known, have not. It wanted to be the world governing body of the sport, and yet it didn't want to recognize women's football. This has been a long, long journey, a story with many, many chapters. And it goes back long before this last year, long before 1999. And so I think the only place to start is by recognizing the very first U.S. Women's National Team in 1985. Welcome to a new series of Flame Bears, special edition U.S. Women's Soccer Originals celebrating the first U.S. women's national soccer team. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am beyond excited to be co-hosting this season with FIFA Player of the Century, Michelle Akers. Hey, team! In this series, we'll hear from the infamous 85ers. They blazed a trail at a time when women's soccer wasn't an Olympic sport, and the Women's World Cup didn't even exist. We get to celebrate these badass originals who I am so proud to call myself a teammate of. These icons you don't know yet, but we're changing that. They're players who came from all over the country, some on scholarships, others playing different college sports because women's soccer didn't even exist at the time. Setting the foundation for what is now the biggest event in women's soccer this summer. Their stories have never been told until now. Now let's kick it off to today's episode. Ruth Harker was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and played a lot of different sports. She didn't actually touch a soccer ball until she was 14. But when she did, she caught the eye of a few coaches and with her natural athleticism and work ethic, became one of the founding members of the U.S. Women's National Team as one of the goalies. We recently caught up with Ruth in Asheville, North Carolina, where the Asheville City Soccer Club honored the original team. Here's our interview with the legendary goalie, Ruth Harker. My name is Ruth Harker. I was on the 85 U.S. Women's Team, and I was a goalkeeper, the only player actually from the Midwest. I uh, own my own business. I have two kids and a beautiful wife. My passion for the game has actually gotten more over the years. When you're doing it, you don't realize what you're doing. You know, you're just doing it. What's your first soccer memory? Uh, my first soccer memory was, I, I was terrible. I didn't have any foot skills and I couldn't play sports. And so, my mother wouldn't let me play sports. She would let my brother. She was a single mom of four kids. So she didn't let me play. So when I was 14, I did it at my middle school. And I had I was so far behind. The coach said, I'm going to put you in goal because I had no foot skills. I had no skill sets. And the first game, my first vivid soccer memory is being in goal and the ball bouncing in front of me and over my head and into the goal. And me going, I hate this game, <laughs> you know, because, because you know, I was like, I was so inexperienced, and yeah, uh, yeah that's my first really profound uh, soccer memory. Ruth, take us back to that year. What a gritty bunch, you know. Uh, 
we got picked at that Olympic festival. And none of us, I mean, a lot of these players knew each other. You know, and I a little bit knew Michelle and I a little bit knew Linda, but that was it. It was at first lonely for me because I didn't know anybody. Uh, but as time went on, they became my sorority. I mean, this team was a group of women who really were passionate about the game and it translated to their play, you know, and to take this fragmented group of people from all over where we're all sort of nemesis and bring us together for this short amount of time. I, I feel like we, we did right by the USA. You know, I feel like we didn't disappoint. I mean, yeah, we all went in it every game thinking we're gonna win this. And I think that mentality is woven through the fabric now of every US team to follow us, that desire and that, you know, and Michelle in a big way carried that because she was the one, the one consistent one, you know, through more than a decade after that. So um, we owe a lot, you know, for her carrying that on her shoulders. I came in as a youngster and you all beat the shit out of me. So how could I not carry it on? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was like emblazoned in my soul. So um, I just needed like that being around you, that team and all of us. I, yeah, I carried it on, but it was the total character of every player on that team. And that's why we were so good. Right. Every single right, every single person wanted to play. Every single person came there to do business. And we didn't know what business we were doing, of course. You know, we just knew that, you know, it was extending our season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. another yeah. place to play. Did you have an idea like, for me going and playing for the U.S.? I had no idea what a national team was or what a World Cup was. Were you a multi-sport athlete? I, well, I didn't play uh, soccer in high school because they wouldn't allow it. You know, you couldn't play select. And at the time, there was no select ball. I played, uh, yeah, man, once I could play sports, you know, uh, in, when I was a freshman in high school, I played every sport you could imagine because I wasn't allowed to before then. And thank goodness she did, all the while hiding something she didn't want anyone to know. You hid that you couldn't see out of one eye and you were on the US team. That that to me says so much about like your desire just to be out there, but also your athletic ability uh, and, and that mentality to play and excel no matter what. That That is a, a, such a cool thing to me. I respect so much. Well, I think, you know, I was born that way. The average axial length of an eye is like 22 centimeters and mine's a millimeter and mine is like 30. It's like a football. So it doesn't, it's just blur. And so your mind shuts it off pretty much. So you learn to adapt and, you know, people always say, well, you know, but Michelle, if you would have known that on a penalty kick, what would you have done? Shit, nothing different because I still had a hard time scoring on you. It, do, it doesn't matter, right? When did it come out? Like you, you mentioned that your mom, your mom was the one who told people. Is that right? Yeah, like, it was probably in '86 or '87, maybe that you know she got called by you know some local news people, and she said, "Not bad for a one eye or something like that." That would be something my mom would say. <laughs> <laughs> So while the fact remains the same that she wasn't able to see out of one eye, 
Things have definitely been changing in the world of soccer. One of the biggest changes, she says, are the expectations. The U.S. women's soccer team is hoping to win its fifth World Cup this summer and its third straight title, something no team, men's or women's, has done before. Despite being the favorite, the U.S. squad has a tough road ahead in the tournament that kicks off this week in Australia and New Zealand. Question on the minds uh, of the U.S. Can we make it three in a row? We're gearing up for tomorrow's start of the Women's World Cup. I think the same is, you know, this expectation, uh, you know, that you win, that you go in and that there, there's no opportunity to lose. You go in and win. I mean, that's sort of the mentality. And I think, you know, and it's not something I think that any of these teams takes for granted. And when they do, they get a kick in the pants. You know, they lose a friendly or they uh, tie someone they should have won, uh, that they should have beat. And I think that that's still the same. I think that is, you know, that's innate in the culture of U.S. women's soccer. Um, I think that you expect it and there's expectation from the fans, from, you know, the program itself, from the kids watching all of it, that we win. And that's a lot, that's a whole lot to carry. You know, if you think about it, um, we didn't have that. We had that instilled within ourselves. Yeah, I, I think about that too all the time is how the women, if they don't win it, if they don't win a world championship, if they don't win a Olympic gold medal, that it's like, Oh, they're losers. They're awful, right? Because the expectation right. of being World Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, and that that is all that is acceptable uh, for that team has been decades of over and over again. And yet, you know, to have that standard is crazy. It's incredibly difficult to win at that level um, over and over again. I can't believe we're back at the World Cup again. It's kind of crazy. Um, this is the best moment like of all of our career. It, Alex said it's like it never gets old. There's always something incredibly special about being able to compete at the very highest level. We could take a deep dive here because it's exponential. It goes down into theaters. It goes down into league play, you know, this expectation, this pressure from a very young age. We've, we've raised the World Cup trophy 50% of the time, yeah. you know, and, and if you think about that, I mean, wow, yeah, what, that, that's just amazing. Countries don't do that for centuries, you know, yeah. and, and we've done it in 40 years, you know, one every 10 years, if, if you will. You know, that's an enormous amount of pressure for the next generation. But again, that's why you do it. That's where the cream rises is when you get to that. You know, when you were asking me about what's different, you know, you look at these mothers being able to have, you know, like, you know, Charlie having someone there to take care of, Marcel, all these kids of the U.S. players. You know, when we were playing, if you had a child, you're probably done. Yeah. Uh, Fawcett, I think, was the first one. Yeah, on the national team, yes. Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she, the team helped take care of her baby. And then we um, went on strike. Actually, one of the things when we went on strike for was to have a nanny for, for Joy. Yeah. Right. The resource, the resources now, I mean, yay. You know, I'm not jealous or I'm like, yay. Yeah. That, you know, that this is happening. And because these women, you know, they're sacrificing a lot for not equal. You know, it's not equal. And yet they're still 
you know, following their passion and honoring our country. And yeah, it's, for me, I'm so delighted. I'm so delighted with how things are moving and the women who are making it happen. You know, and on your little platform, you hope that whatever you're doing makes a difference, you know, raising other women. I'm wondering, how, how do you think your kids see you differently maybe uh, as this founding member of the U.S. Women's National Team and then going to the World Cups? I mean, what, what does that do for them, you think, in perspective? Well, I, I've, first of all, you know, it's a living history lesson on, a, on a, a specific sport, acutely, you know, women's soccer. And I think that, you know, I can tell him and my daughter all day long, well, I make $10 a day and, you know, we had crappy uniforms and, you know, really all these things. But I don't think that's the story. This, you know, the, the story is, you know, we went over here to this light switch and flipped it on and shine the light on this thing that, that there wasn't light on before. And I, and I think my kids really, and it, it really appreciate that. I think that they're really appreciating it more as they grow older. And of course, the spotlight has been brighter on the originals in the last 10 years than it ever has. I mean, I, I, I was talking, I think, to Lori Henry at, at the event, and I said, you know, I didn't care about it until someone else cared about it. I didn't even realize what we had done. You know, I was going on about my life. Yeah, yeah. So from the outsider perspective, you literally, everything is built upon your shoulders. And I think I think so many of the players on the current team have been so, you know, so supportive, at least from things that I was saying, trying to give you credit. I think from the outsider's perspective, you really, established a, an incredible legacy thanks for saying you know what it, it feels good to to you know in hindsight uh to be the first to do anything is is kind of cool anyway but particularly something that raises women makes my heart even fuller because we struggle to get equality in a number of ways and every avenue we go down for the most part there's a roadblock because of our gender it was incredible to see Ruth in action in Asheville. So we followed up to get some more time with her and her perspective on the event. How was your post-Asheville weekend recovery? Now that was really hard to come down from. It was so much fun, you know, talking to, talking to you know, my family when I got back and other people, I was just like, we had a ball. Just so much fun. Now getting geared up to go to World Cup, so. Is your son going? Is there yeah. a whole fam? Wow, that's going to be so fun. Yeah, it's the first World Cup for my son, the second for my daughter. We went in 2019 in France, and it was an enormous amount of fun. So my son's really looking forward to it. He's really gotten into soccer this year because of St. Louis City. Yeah. You know, we got the team, and we happen to be in first place. Uh, so, yeah, he's gotten the bug a little bit. He loves going to the games, and so it's going to be a lot of fun. Here's her son, Max, on how his mom inspires him. She's always just kind of been my mom, you know? I mean, I think that it's really cool that she was able to go from, like, not growing up in a household where she had the most, like, money and resources and go from that to playing on the first U.S. women's national team. So, I mean, that's really cool. It really is. It's it's so hard to imagine that this legend almost wasn't one due to financial struggles. And here we are 38 years celebrating her. This has been a long, long journey. 
a story with many, many chapters. And so I think the only place to start is by recognizing the very first U.S. women's national team in 1985. She's not only fighting for pay equity or the next generation, she's fighting for a better climate too with her latest endeavor. The recent past, in the last 25 years, I guess that's recent past, I was in uh, flexible packaging and, and now have opened my own companies making landfill uh, biodegradable products. Badass. How, how'd you get into that? I really wanted to go green. I, I'm a tree hugger and I really wanted to preserve, preserve the earth. And so I started uh, working with a company uh, to add this additive to plastics that would make the microbes and landfills eat it, you know? Yeah. And that's, it's, it's an amazing process and it's, um, it's just kind of fun. You know, I got into it by accident and I'm having a ball. I retired and now I'm not retired anymore. Something else that keeps her away from fully retiring is her mentee, Preston. My name is Preston. I'm 15 and I know Ruth through my dad. So my dad works in business and he works with like packaging of food items and such. And before Ruth retired, they met at some sort of business meeting and my dad spoke with her about it. And since she was blind in one eye playing, while playing goalie, she heard that I played goalie as a soccer player while sick. So she felt inspired that like to talk to me and be my mentor. So through that, my dad set up a meeting with me and her. And since then, we've been talking ever since. How have you and Ruth worked together? Uh, she just kind of helps with making sure I still feel confident with like doing soccer. I mean, obviously, she inspires me since she was able to be such an impressive player while being blind and whatnot. It definitely helped me feel inspired and still feel confident with like my skills in soccer and stuff. She even helped me with goalie in some points just to help me get better in practice. And with all that keeping Ruth busy, does she ever get to play anymore? I played in my alumni game and I made one save and I almost had to get taken off on a stretcher. <laughs> no, uh, I walk and run and, you know, I, I do play basketball with my son a little bit. Mostly yeah. I just stand in front of the goal and shove him when he's doing a layup so he knows that that's, what, <laughs> that's what's, that's what's going to happen. You need to make that a three-pointer, right? Yeah, that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Parker, the stories you told me about your brother. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. You guys are tight because you're born close together there and the torturing of brother-sister things. It reminded me so much of me and my brother. Like you told me one of the things he did was put peanut butter on your face and then hold you down and let the dog lick it off your face. No. <laughs> I mean, he did so many things. Like, hey, Ruth, jump off the deck with this umbrella like Mary Poppins. It'll hold you. And I'm like, okay. I mean, oh I, my know, gosh. He made, me, he made me, you know, on some level I, at the time when he was younger, I really resent him because he was the only son, the only boy. You know, in our family, my mom was like a door. He was he was the golden boy, right? He was a good big brother, a good role model for me. You know, he's honorary and stuff like that. But he stayed out of trouble and is a great big brother. Yeah, oh, it was such an honor to get to meet him in Asheville. Yeah. Um, that was really really cool. My name is Steve Harker. I'm Ruth Harker's brother. We grew up together, and um, I was part of her life uh, while she was going through, you know, her soccer career. And uh, 
she invited me to join her out here this weekend. What a lot of people don't know about Ruth is what a good soul that she is. I mean, she is a, a champion for social justice. She's very humble. She's very, very successful in her career and her life. And uh, she does everything she can to help others, you know. And, and that's a part of her that she doesn't like for other people to know. And, and so therefore, maybe a lot of people don't actually know that, but, um, but she's a very giving, uh, humble person. She was the engineer and, you know, the, the people who, who sort of made that path, you know, possible for everyone else. I mean, they, they built women's soccer into, into what it is today. They were the, the pioneers of women's soccer. And uh, it's, it's just very, um, very impressive. And, and I, I don't think they even knew what they were doing at the time. You know, they just loved the game and, and that's why they did it, you know, for the love of the game. You know, it's that drive and that work ethic, I think, that made her successful and in the bigger scope of things, the team. Hard work, you know, is, is, is what puts soccer, women's soccer, you know, where it is today. What do you hope for the future of women's soccer, Ruth? I really hope that it becomes equal. I, I wish that in women's soccer that, and I don't want to get political or anything, and you can cut this out, but that more women would coach women. And because it's that's also needs to be equal. You know, you, you, you watch out there and all these men are coaching women and women deserve that spot. And because they're, a lot of talented women coaches out there, and um, they they deserve they deserve to, to have that um, opportunity. So I'd like to see that. Um, and because and, and about the men coaching women, I don't want that aspect of the game of abuse and those sorts of things to be in the forefront of the players' minds. We need to shelve that because what they need to go out there is to do their jobs. Without that without that in their forefront of their minds. I, I could talk to you all day, Harker. And I love your uh, perspectives and stories on on things. So it's fun to listen to you and talk with you, as always. I love you, Michelle. I love you. Um, hey, thanks a lot, Jamie. Uh, appreciate you guys' time and I appreciate being part of this. And uh, let's fucking go. Thanks for tuning into Flame Bears. And massive thanks to my co-host, Michelle Akers. If you would like to send in a letter or a video of support for Ruth Harker, please do so at marissap at flamebears.com. We'll make sure to pass along all letters of support to Ruth.